Today's episode of The Front discusses topics such as mental health and drug use, which may be distressing for some listeners. Please listen with care. From The Australian, here's What's on the Front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Wednesday, September 13. Australia is considering tax reforms that would encourage companies to invest in Ukraine to help with the rebuild. The Australians are revealing the new move today, which comes after a campaign by Ukraine's crusading ambassador, Vasil Miroshenko. Australia is the first country in the world to allow the use of psychedelic drugs, including psilocybin and MDMA, to treat mental illness. And serious concerns are being raised including by the professor the TGA commissioned to write an expert report on the idea. In today's episode, what the idea is all about and why some experts say it's a bad trip. Welcome to Tranquillum House. The people who come here, they come to heal. That's a scene from the TV adaptation of Leanne Moriarty's novel, Nine Perfect Strangers. Nicole Kidman plays the ethereal owner of a wellness retreat where some very sad people come for the centre's famous healing and restorative treatments. But things start to get weird. Have you been medicating us? Attention turns to something called the protocol, a diet of delicious smoothies laced with some extra special ingredients, mind-altering drugs also known as psychedelics, designed to kick the consciousness onto a higher plane. Psychedelics became famous in the 60s, but then disappeared from the scientific realm into the counterculture, thanks in part to Timothy Leary, a Harvard academic who merged the drug's psychiatric properties with their ability to make everything a lot more relaxed. This is his 1968 record, Turn On, Tune In, Drop Out. Young people, for the most part, aren't so concerned with control and power. They're much more involved in having fun, being curious, exploring their sensual equipment. 55 years on, psychedelics are back as a serious candidate for the treatment of mental health problems. Michael Pollan, an American journalist who became famous for his writing about food, released a book in 2018 as various jurisdictions in the United States began decriminalising mind-altering drugs as treatments for everything from addiction to obsessive-compulsive disorder. Here he is explaining the idea to late-night host Stephen Colbert. If you're using psychedelics therapeutically, Mm -hmm. the best way to do it is not simply to just take a tab of acid and see what happens. You work with a therapist, uh, and this is someone who prepares you very carefully for what's going to happen, qualifies you, makes sure you don't have any risk factors like a relative who has schizophrenia or something like that. I have a dear friend who has my same name, who, (laughs) when he was in college, took what he now considers way too Too much. much. (laughs) And the building was digesting him, and he would have flown off the planet if he hadn't held on to Jeannie Pisacani's peasant skirt for four hours. <laughs> and, and I don't, I'm still, my friend is still waiting. Back in February, this happened. Australia has become one of the first countries to approve psychedelics for certain mental health conditions. The Therapeutic Goods Administration says 
These are new avenues for patients who haven't responded well to other treatments. Rules state the medication will be prescribed by authorised psychiatrists in closely monitored situations. Psilocybin is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. Also newly approved is MDMA, better known as ecstasy. That's the one that had certain people hugging their way through clubbing weekends back in the 90s. The Therapeutic Goods Administration, which oversees the use of medications, set strict rules. Only specially approved psychiatrists can prescribe them, and only for certain conditions. MDMA is for the treatment of post-traumatic stress disorder, and psilocybin for treatment-resistant depression. I think it's fair to say that everyone was shocked. There was not one person that I spoke to who wasn't shocked. Natasha Robinson is the Australian's health editor. She's reporting today on the ongoing fallout from a big decision by Australian health authorities to allow psychiatrists to prescribe psychedelic drugs to treat certain conditions. It was just a very unusual decision for the TGA to make. They are a very conservative regulator. Pharmaceutical companies generally have to put an extraordinary amount of evidence as to efficacy and safety before the TGA, before they will approve a drug. And this downscheduling of MDMA and psilocybin, it actually flew in the face of the evidence that they had in front of them. And here's the wild part. The TGA says there are currently no approved products containing psilocybin or MDMA that it's evaluated for quality, safety and efficacy. It was a decision that was welcomed by particularly people in the community, but for researchers at the front line of studying these particular medications who were very much in favour of getting them to market eventually, were very, very surprised at the TGA move at this time. The new rules came into effect in July. The TGA is an independent agency, which means unlike other big health changes like plain packaging of cigarettes or alcohol restrictions, this hasn't gone through Parliament. And it's not cheap. Natasha is reporting today that some patients are being charged up to $25,000 for a single course of treatment. Someone I interviewed today said they're aware of only one psychiatrist who is actually currently prescribing. But I've also been told there's three clinics who are either starting to do it or gearing up to do it. But it is going to be very, very unusual for consumers to actually receive these medications outside of a clinical trial for the very fact that A, there's not very many clinics, but B, it's extraordinarily expensive. There's some disquiet among experts in the field who say evidence justifying a nationwide rollout is not there yet. So Monash University researchers between September last year and January this year conducted a whole series of in-depth interviews with stakeholders in the mental health area. So researchers, policy people, mental health, peak body senior figures, politicians, consumer groups and the union that represents mental health workers in Victoria. So the interesting thing about this research is that it took place so close to the actual downscheduling decision by the TGA, which happened in February. It's a complex issue. On one hand, experts say they're cautiously optimistic about the opportunities presented by psychedelics, but on the other hand, there's not much research on the subject, and the little information we do have is flawed. 
So as late as January, these people who were very much in favour of psychedelics saying they were cautiously optimistic, they would come to market and they hoped to see that happen. But at that time, they were raising concerns around the clinical trials that had been relied upon to advocate for the approval, small sample sizes, questions around the particular research. A lot of people see a lot of potential in these types of drugs and certainly researchers do as well. But We're very much at the early stages of the research and the evidence base at the moment is still very much emerging. Coming up, why did the TGA ignore the advice of its own expert? I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts. Before the TGA announced it would legalise psychedelics like psilocybin and MDMA, it commissioned Professor Steve Kaisley to review the research on the subject. He confirmed that the evidence just isn't there. The TGA approved the new rules anyway, without Professor Kaisley's support, and now he's written a paper criticising the decision to push ahead. Here's Natasha Robinson again. Well, according to Professor Kaisley, it was a delegate-only decision. So it wasn't made by their expert committee, wasn't endorsed by their expert committee. They've made some comments around that they had more recent evidence between the first rejection and the reversing of that decision. They may have also had in mind the consumer demand. There are this overwhelming tide of people who want to access these medications and maybe they consider factors such as if we don't regulate it and approve it, perhaps there'll be a black market. These sorts of considerations can come into play, but then when you weigh them against risks like that it may actually trigger a psychiatric illness in someone who couldn't be identified as being at risk and therefore excluded. That's what they're really concerned about. There have been some concerns raised in the clinical research. There's evidence of minority people experiencing symptoms like suicidal ideations. And the risks can only really be understood if the clinical trials are large enough and run for long enough that you see these kinds of potential patterns emerge. And that's what has not taken place to date. And that's what makes the post-market surveillance even more important. The Monash University research showed psychedelics are still stigmatised among the general public. I think that stigma issue in the Monash research was particularly raised by the politicians who were going to have to be the ones out there arguing that it's okay to be administering these substances, which we associate with Woodstock, for the treatment of mental health conditions. Your average person, I certainly don't think, understands that these substances can be used for a therapeutic purpose or what the difference is between like a legal drug and what we're doing here. It does take place in the context of therapy as well. The idea that when you're in that kind of state of mind, the actual psychotherapy is is much more effective 
this is a much more complex area and many, many people are either inappropriately prescribed or in a situation where they are prescribed and still don't get better or they've just got no other options. And it's a very desperate place to be in. So I completely understand the desire to try something that appears to hold a lot of promise. So we do need to keep that in mind, that that's the indication and that's why we've moved forward in this way because this is a group of people who are in a very desperate circumstance and they have nothing to help them. Natasha Robinson is The Australian's health editor. A breaking story this morning. The Albanese government has put new sanctions on senior Iranian officials and entities linked to the oppression of women and girls. It comes after protests swept Iran over the death in police custody of 22-year-old Masa Amini, who was detained by police for failing to wear a hijab properly. All the details are live right now at theaustralian.com.au. My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts.